Hello and welcome to the Modern Divorced Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Tarasio. I'm the owner of Modern Law, a family law firm in the Phoenix area. I've been a divorce attorney for more than 15 years. I've got four kiddos and I'm divorced myself. And on this podcast, we're going to cover everything related to divorce, be it legal issues, financial issues, children issues, blended family issues, counseling, mediation, and more. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hi, this is Billy Tarasio with the Modern Divorce Podcast. And today we're going to have a fantastic episode with one of our newer attorneys, Stacy Rogan. You're going to love hearing about her background, which happens to be bankruptcy law in addition to family law. And we're going to talk about all things bankruptcy and family law, when your debt can be restructured, when it can be written off. So if you want to make sure that you do not miss these types of shows, Make sure to subscribe now. Take a minute. We'll wait for you. Go ahead and subscribe to our show. And then if you have other topics that you want to see, don't hesitate to let us know. This is a podcast for you on whatever it is that you want to hear about. So don't hesitate to let us know. Stacy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Fantastic. So before we get into the nitty gritty of bankruptcy, um, you are fairly new to modern law, fairly new to Arizona. Can you tell people about your background? Well, I'm originally from Arizona, but when I went to law school, I moved to Michigan for law school. And then from law school, uh, my law school roommate and I realized it's our one chance in life to go anywhere we want because we're starting fresh with a new bar exam somewhere. And we went to Maryland. <laughs> and when we went to Maryland, I began um, my law career. And in Maryland, I did domestic law, some general practice law, and a lot of bankruptcy law, about 20 years of bankruptcy and domestic law experience there. And then four years ago, I moved back to Arizona from Maryland. And now I'm here. <laughs> wow. So why Maryland? We had friends in law school that were from there and coming from the desert, it was green and there was water. I lived on the Chesapeake Bay. So it was just very different than here. Mm, It is. Yeah. And beautiful. And then you've got DC and it's just, it's a very cool place. Yes. It was. I loved Maryland. Yes. But family was here. And at some point, as you get older, you realize you need to be close to family. Well, we are certainly happy to have you back. You bring with you a wealth of experience and knowledge, including quadros, which not a lot of attorneys in Arizona, family law attorneys do, but you have a background in quadros. Yes, yes, I can do quadros. I've done quadros. And um, I think it relates not only with the family law practice, but with bankruptcy. It's all financial. And I like numbers. I like math. I like how the interplay between them and how to structure things. So it's most advantageous for a client. Absolutely. Messy money cases seem to be your jam, your niche. And messy money cases can mean either you um, have a lot of money or you don't have a lot of money. (laughs) Both can be messy (laughs) or you have a lot of debt. So let's talk about and, and, you know, businesses can file bankruptcy and then personal can file bankruptcy. Did, did you do all of those types of bankruptcy? I did primarily individuals, sevens and thirteens. Okay. Um, there's, there's other forms of bankruptcy, particularly chapter 11 
for businesses. And now there's the new sub five, which is a kind of a chapter 11 for businesses that works like a 13. It's a smaller, more compact, easier to maneuver bankruptcy. But I generally stay away from all of that. If you're going to do a chapter 11, it means not only do you have a business, but you have a business with a lot of assets. The quarterly fees are more than most people have in their whole estate. So, you know, those those are a special niche and you want to go to somebody who's very well versed in chapter 11 before you try it. Okay. So you stick with the sevens and thirteens. Let's start with what's the difference. Okay. Basically, a chapter seven is a clean slate, fresh start. You're in and out of bankruptcy in 90 days, and it wipes away most of your unsecured debt, credit cards, personal loans, all of those things. It also will wipe away secured debts if you don't want to keep the item. Mm. You have a car you're upside down on, or you totaled it and still owe a fortune. You can just turn it back in and wipe that debt away in a seven. Okay. Who is a good candidate? I would say anybody who doesn't need to be forced into a chapter 13 for another reason. Okay. Okay. So a chapter 13 is a repayment plan through the chapter 13 trustee, more like a reorganization. People make a payment to their trustee for three to five years through this plan, and they're paying back a small percentage of their debt. And there's lots of reasons somebody might go into a 13. One is they just make way too much money to qualify for a seven. Um, Another might be foreclosure and they want to keep the property and get current by making those payments to the trustee. You're paying your arrears so you're current at the end of the plan. If you have loans that you have liens on that you want to strip those liens or cram down the value of a car, like you owe way more than it's worth, but you want to keep the car. So you want to cram it down just to what you owe on it, or you even owe an outrageous interest rate for some reason. Um, And you want to cram that down to a current interest rate. You might want to do that in a 13. A 13 also has what we call a super discharge. You can discharge debts in a 13 that are not dischargeable in a seven. And for domestic law, the big one there is going to be debts owed to a spouse or former spouse that are not child support. So if you owe big attorney fees to your spouse, you owe a giant property settlement to a former spouse, dischargeable in a 13, not in a seven. So that would be a reason you would filter that way instead of a seven, even if you qualified for a seven. Interesting. So if I understand correctly, if you owe money to your ex and it's not child support, now what about spousal maintenance? Not spousal maintenance either, not support. All right. But you owe, you owe your, your ex a bunch of money on, for whatever reason, whatever reason you um, cannot discharge that in a seven, but you can discharge that in an 11. A 13. A 13. Okay. Yes. All right. Great. Yes. Now, what is the income limit for a seven? The income limits vary. It's based on your household size and the mean income for your area. But I don't think people should get stuck on that's a hard line number. If you're over that number, it simply means the bankruptcy attorney has to fill out the long form for the means test. That's all it means. It doesn't mean that you don't qualify or you can't qualify. Various expenses will go into that calculation. 
um, and come out. Like a big one for a lot of people is child support. Mm-hmm. That gets deducted from your mean income. Mm-hmm. Also, um, taxes, people who pay a lot in taxes, maybe you don't have children, but you pay a lot in taxes, that comes out. Or people who pay a lot in health insurance. Right nowadays, you're seeing people with $1,000 monthly premiums on health insurance. Yeah. That that comes out. So, you know, it, it's better if you don't say, this is a hard number. I, I only can file bankruptcy if I make under this because that's not the case. A good bankruptcy attorney can wiggle those numbers and find your expenses. I spent a lot of my time in bankruptcy pouring through people's bank statements and tax returns to see what they forgot to list on their expense sheet. Sure. Okay. Um, It seems like divorce would be a fantastic time to file bankruptcy. You're literally starting a new life. It's messy. It's expensive. It sort of has a tendency to wreck your credit. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. It is. And they actually go hand in hand because a lot of, they say one of the biggest causes for divorces is financial distress. And one of the biggest causes for bankruptcy is divorce because you have two income households who are now trying to have two separate households, two house payments, two electric bills, two HOA payments, and all these expenses that used to be combined. So I think they're, they they definitely go hand in hand and it is a really good time to take a look at your finances and say, oh, I'm upside down, time to do something. Is it better to file before or after the divorce is final? That's going to be a very individualized answer. Sometimes people, they don't have any, any money and they have lots of debt and they're, it's, community debt here in Arizona. So they might as well just file, have a clean slate, a seven, wipe it away and be done. If they're going to be in a 13, you might want to wait till after the divorce is over, A, in case you owe money to the spouse, but also because you're going to be in the bankruptcy for three to five years. Yes, you can sever the cases. It's it's not hard, but it's still a pain in the ass. And you're still having to deal with your spouse that you're trying to split things with. So you don't want to be tied to them for a long time in this bankruptcy. Can one spouse file for bankruptcy before the end of the divorce if the other person does not? Absolutely. They're completely individual cases and your marital status has nothing to do with your eligibility for filing. Do you, what if people have a lot of equity in their homes? Right now we're seeing people with a lot of equity in their homes. Will that, and they're thinking they can sell their homes, pay off all their debt and start clean. When is that better than filing bankruptcy? I'm an old bankruptcy attorney. So often I'm going to say file the bankruptcy. (laughs) Unless it's a ton, a ton, a ton of equity. The homestead exemption in Arizona is $150,000. So that is automatically protected. Then if you're above that, you would have to pay that difference into the trustee over three to five years. But depending on what your debts are, that might go to debts you're already going to pay. For example, if you had recent tax debt that you still needed to pay off because they're not dischargeable yet, well, you were going to pay them anyway. So why not pay them through the bankruptcy and you know still keep your equity in this house? So you know there's a lot of individuality in every case. You can't just make a blanket rule for all cases, 
But I'm going to say for most people, file before you pay off everything, because if it's just going to go away or you have, or you're going to pay a very small percentage, then you would still have that equity to put down on the new house. Mm-hmm. Right. So then you, there's nothing you can file bankruptcy, keep the equity in your home up to $150,000. So does that mean, do I understand correctly? Like you can have $300,000 in your home because each individual of equity, because each individual only gets half of that. Yes, except if you're filing a joint bankruptcy, there's only 150,000 exemption. Ah. So we're not going to say 300, but if you file for divorce and it's divided and this person gets out their money and this person has 150, then you still get your 150. You get to keep that money and and um and then what does it do to your credit? So they've recently changed how the credit scores are calculated. They're these complex complex logarithms. But bankruptcy, more or less, is a 100-point credit score drop. However, it's not as bad as it sounds because all of the negative stuff comes off. So if you take all the negative off, then the score goes up to here and drops. Then it's not as bad. Okay. Um, But... At the time you file bankruptcy, you are the best credit risk you could be out there because you owe no debt and you can't file bankruptcy again for a few years. So you're a really good credit risk. So you will get offers of credit. You absolutely will. And you will rebuild your credit. And most people two years after a bankruptcy can qualify for a house. Wow. Okay. All right. Ari, is your retirement protected? Yes. Retirement is 100% protected. What does that mean? Does that mean Roth IRAs, traditional pensions? All qualified. All qualified. 401ks, IRAs, pensions are protected. Okay. Interesting. Um, What else do I need to know? Like when you file for bankruptcy, it stays your divorce, right? So your divorce stops, at least on the property piece. On the property piece, it kind of, yes, stops. So you might want to time it depending on how eager you are to get the divorce done, file after or get it done before. Yeah. Um, You know, because you can get permission from the court to proceed though. I mean, it's, that happens all the time. And you can proceed with the child custody, the spells, you can proceed on everything else and maybe even get divorced. Yes. And then deal with the property stuff at the end. And then uh, did you say that the, the bankruptcy takes 90 days? A chapter seven is 90 days, but a 13 is three to five years based on your income. So that could slow down the property division for three to five years? Yeah. If you're, if you're, so most people, if you're already in bankruptcy, you can still get divorced. You just decided what to do with the bankruptcy payment, right? Mm. But if you're, if it's all up in the air, your case isn't confirmed yet, you're a new bankruptcy filing, it will stay the divorce, not the divorce, but the property part. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to time that so okay. that you know, like, you know, if you know you're going to be a 13, maybe you finish the divorce first and then file. A seven is 90 days. It doesn't matter. And it's a clean slate. It doesn't really tie up the property because you're in and out before the court does anything. And it's not a liquidation usually. Most people don't give up anything in a seven, you can, you know, let's say somebody has, I don't know, some asset that they don't have room to exempt in their case to keep, and they don't want it. 
I don't know, maybe a stamp collection they inherited or something. And they just don't want it. They don't care. They can just give it to the trustee. Or I had a woman who had had like an online store and she closed it and she had a garage full of random crap. So she just gave it to the trustee. Here, you sell it. I don't want to. And then did that, did that decrease the amount of money she owed? Yes, the trustee uses that to pay creditors. They file claims, but it was a seven. So she's still in and out of bankruptcy and the trustee's doing that on the back end. Oh, wow. Okay. For a lot of people, there is so much shame in the concept of bankruptcy that they don't even want to talk about it or know about it. So can you just take me through what to expect if I'm thinking about filing bankruptcy from, from, from that point all the way through? So if you're thinking about filing bankruptcy, go talk to a bankruptcy attorney, somebody who does bankruptcy regularly all the time, not a hack. Bankruptcy is very, very fact-specific and intricate. And there's a lot of weird little nuances and you want somebody good who knows what they're doing. For example, if you have a business and you owe a bunch of tax debt, maybe calling a short tax year is going to save you a lot of money because you'll take non-exempt assets you have now, pay tax debts you owe, and then you'll get money for the next year. So like things like that, you want an attorney who knows the nuances, knows how to avoid liens, knows how to recover garnished money, knows how to unfreeze a bank account. Those things are really, really important. And sometimes you get attorneys who think they have free time and they're like, oh, I'll just take some bankruptcy cases. It's just a form. Yes, it is just a form, but it's a form that's really important and has a lot of nuances that are very specific to state law. So go to a local good bankruptcy attorney and talk to them. Most of them do free consultations, although all of them don't, and it's worth your time and money to talk to them. And they can tell you what it would look like for you. Even if you're going to have to be in a 13 and pay back some of your debt, that amount of debt you're going to pay back is almost always way less than your minimum payments you're paying. Mm. So it's still a huge benefit to you. And if you're avoiding liens and cramming down interest rates or values of assets, it saves you so much money. And I think that's one of the things is people don't, appreciate how important it is. If we're getting rid of $100,000 of debt for you, when else is somebody going to give you a $100,000 free check, right? So it's important. Treat it as such. It's important. Full disclosure, right? If you lie, (laughs) then you're going to owe all the money. They're going to vacate your discharge and you're going to owe that money and you could possibly be charged with bankruptcy fraud, which is a federal crime. Full disclosure, you don't fudge, you tell your attorney and you let them use their knowledge and skill to massage the numbers and fit you into the right form. Will they be looking at the specifics of your debt? Like, do they put you on trial regarding like how this happened? No, they don't look at that at all. There's no judgment as to how this happened. Everybody there same problem. Nobody says, oh, you did this trying to take care of a loved one, or you tried to help somebody pay for rehab and spent $50,000, or oh, you have a casino problem I see here. 
none of that is part of it. They don't look at the morals of how you spent your money. Nobody knows you did it. It's technically a public a matter of public record. So people can find it out there somewhere if they look, but nobody looks, your neighbor isn't looking. Nobody yeah. knocks on your neighbor's door and tells them, Hey, your neighbor filed bankruptcy yesterday. They just don't know. Creditors get a very nondescript notice. They enter it in their computer and that's it. Mm-hmm. Very, very simple. Mm-hmm. Oh, and back to your original question of what does it look like? So you meet with the attorney, they gather all the information about your assets and debts and put together your schedules. They're usually about 23 pages of forms that you review and sign and file with the court. 30 to 35 days later, you have your meeting of creditors. It's a very informal hearing, no judge, no court reporter. They just record it. You're under oath. They ask you, did you list all your assets? Did you list all your debts? Um, Do you own this house? Where'd you get the value of it from? Do you owe this on it? And that's it. It usually takes about seven minutes. (laughs) And then in a chapter um, seven, you're discharged 60 days after that. In the 13, there's the confirmation hearing. However, you normally do not have to go unless there's a problem and you need to see the judge. Most of the times it's administratively approved and the trustee just uploads a a form order for them to confirm your case and you don't have to go back to court again. Wow. So forms and one hearing? Yep, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. A lot easier than going through the divorce process. A lot easier and a lot less stress. To me, the hardest part for bankruptcy clients is deciding to do it. Yeah. Don't want to do it. They try their absolute best. They liquidate their retirement that I could have protected. Mm -hmm. They borrow money from family and friends trying to stay afloat. And they're just like, you know, trying to bail out a sinking ship because they're upside down and they just need a fresh start. They need Mm -hmm. to wipe it away and start over. If someone's filed for bankruptcy in the past, can they file again? Absolutely. How often? (laughs) It depends on whether the past was a seven or a 13, depending on um, when they filed and if they got a discharge, it's four to eight years, depending. Wow. So nothing is stopping somebody from just putting a bunch of stuff on credit cards, discharging it and doing it again and again? Nope. <laughs> no. The only thing that's really stopping them might be the creditors. But if the creditors keep giving you money to spend again right. and again, that's sort of on them, isn't it? Right. And that is one of the red flags for creditors. If they see multiple bankruptcies, then getting loans is much more difficult. Than Makes different. sense. The jig is up. Like if right that's the plan, might <laughs> not last forever. Got it. Okay. What else do we need to know? Because some debts are dischargeable in a seven related to divorce and marriage versus a 13. It's really important that people in their settlement agreements and even in divorce decrees list whether something is in the form of support or not. Um, it's it's really important because, you know, you'll just see, oh, it's $5,000. And then we're trying to backtrack and figure out, was that for support or was it not? That's really important. Absolutely. A lot of people ask, do I have enough debt to file? Oh, great question. There's not a magic number. I mean, a person who doesn't make a whole lot of money might be bankrupt and unable to pay their ongoing living expenses and debts. 
um, at a very small number. And a person who makes a lot of money can carry a really high debt limit and still be just fine. So there is not an amount. If people are on social security disability and um, they're often what we call judgment proof. So sometimes those people don't need to file, but I filed those cases because they're being harassed or something like that. And they just wanted to stop. So, you know, it's almost a case just to get rid of it for nuisance value because, you know, they're being harassed. They don't have any assets. There's no more thing to put a lien on, but the creditors continue to call them every five minutes and they just can't take it anymore. If your stuff is in a trust, is that protected from seizure? It is, assuming the trust is set up properly. Yes. Okay. So how does the trust trust that you can't get to the money yourself, Mm -hmm. then your creditors can't. That's really the standard. If your creditors can't get to the money, the trustee can't get to the money. Mm -hmm. It stands in the shoes of your creditors. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if it's a kind of a trust and it's set up properly, where you can't go in and just liquidate it as you feel and buy what you want, (laughs) then it's protected. Got it. All right. Good stuff. Very good stuff. Now, if if somebody's going through a divorce and they've got a company that has a lot of debts, can they discharge those individually or does the company have to go through the bankruptcy? Because as a business owner, I, I, I own, you know, most everything I have to sign on personally, regardless of the fact that there's a business. Right. So they can discharge their personal liabilities in the seven or the 13. And if they... A company can file a seven. They hmm. usually don't because there's not a discharge, hmm. but it, it's a way to liquidate things and get creditors to go away, especially if it's business is closing, like a car dealership or something, and you don't have anything left. Are the debts that that are accrued oh, through business, debt. but the but the you know the owner has to make a personal guarantee on everything. So it's kind of in both of our names. Yes, you can discharge your um, the personal guarantee from the business debts. But if the business is still in existence, it will still owe those debts. That, that They're separate entities and they would need separate bankruptcies in order to discharge both. Sure. But if somebody closes their, their business yes, and then they want to discharge all the debt, including the stuff that was from the business that has failed, they can do that. Absolutely. Yes. But I see that a lot in divorce. Yeah. I see um, family businesses that were run by both spouses. And then the divorce happens and the divorce can take years. And during that, during those years, when nobody knows how to run the business, it, it tanks. Yes. And I've got a client right now who's got, he just stopped running his business and he's in, and there's a bunch of equipment in storage, but he doesn't have any debts. So would bankruptcy come into play in that situation or not really? Well, if he has no debts, there's nothing to get rid of unless there's like floating leases out there for something or contracts that they're breaching. So he probably don't need a bankruptcy. It's just a matter of liquidating his assets and filing a final tax return. Where you'll see it more is when people, they close the business, but there still are debts. The lease on the building is a big one because oh, yeah, huge. Yeah. Um, equipment leases, you know, restaurants have all sorts of equipment and stuff, or even an esthetician, they have all those lasers nowadays that are really expensive. So all of those contracts are still out there. They have personal guarantees on them. So if those businesses close, they're still going to owe on all of that. Got it. All right. Well, this has been super useful. I've learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners will too. Thank you so much, Stacey. 
Really appreciate it. We'll have to have you back on to talk about messy financial divorces another time. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Modern Divorce Podcast. Remember, anything you've heard today or anything you read online is not the replacement for actual consultation with an attorney and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Even if you called in and we spoke to you, you were anonymous and we don't have your details and you have not become a client of Modern Law. However, we would love to speak with you or you should seek out the advice of legal counsel or counseling or any other expert near you. And if you have an idea for a show topic or you need to speak with an attorney in Arizona, you can reach me at info, I-N-F-O, at mymodernlaw.com.